I'm Paul Heron, and this is episode 29 of the Anna Eastneen podcast. Today we'll be talking to Britt Arenander, the author of the just-published English version of Anna Eastneen's Lost World, Paris in Words and Pictures, 1924-1939. This title was originally published in Swedish by Trevi, the same publisher of many of Anna Eastneen's diaries in Sweden. Britt Arenander, a native Swede who now lives in Spain, was the translator of many of Neen's books, and her interest in Neen grew to the point where she decided to retrace Neen's and Henry Miller's steps in Paris during the most important and interesting era of their lives, from the time Neen moved there with her husband in 1924 to when both she and Miller fled the war in 1939. Anna East Neen's Lost World contains more than 50 photographs, many of them vintage, and the commentary guides the reader through the streets of Paris while providing historical context to Neen's and Miller's favorite hangouts in various homes. And now we get an inside look of how the book came together. Britt Arenander, welcome mm. to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. How did you become acquainted with Anais? Oh, it was through translating her diary into Swedish in the 70s. I translated the four first parts of the expurgated diary in Sweden. And then later I translated the first two parts of the unexpurgated diary. So I got to know her quite well. And I loved it. You loved it. I loved her language. I loved everything she talked about. It was just, she opened the door into a completely new and very interesting and fascinating world for me. And so what gave you the idea of going to Paris and tracking down all the different places that she lived and frequented? Oh, I, I lived with my husband in France for three years in a small village in Picardie. And I went, when I got the idea, I went to Paris occasionally and looked up all the places I knew about from her diary. And also I researched. So what made you decide to commit to the painstaking task of researching Annie Eastneen's homes and favorite hangouts in Paris? Well, my husband and I lived in a small village in France, in northern France, at the period when I got the idea. And that was after having translating, had translated six parts of Annie Eastneen's diary. And so I went to Paris occasionally and started to look up all the places where that I mentioned and showed photos of in the book. And I went to shops for old postcards and a market, a weekly market for old postcards and to lots of other places. Well, I, I was very busy <laughs> and I loved it. In your book, you've got more than 50 photographs and some of them are from way back during the time of Anna East or even before then, and some of them are more recent. What was it like to discover these places are still standing after all this time? Oh, I had just one marvelous surprise after the other. I found all the places, more or less all the places, as far as I can remember, 
still there. And even if the surroundings sometimes had changed a bit, I found more or less all of the places and addresses uh, that um, are mentioned in her diaries. That's amazing. And I, I went on a, a similar job many, many years ago. I think the one that really got to me was uh, in Louveciennes when we spotted the house. I, it was a, quite an ordeal to get there because nobody in town even knew who Anise was. And I finally uh, was able to locate the town's historian, Jacques Laï, and Jacques basically gave me the address of the house. And at that time, it was in 1992, the house was in terrible shape. It looked totally run down. There were broken windows. The gate was rusty and it was locked. It was really an eyesore uh, at that time. And you were there shortly thereafter, I do believe, right? Or right, or right around the same time? Around the same time, yes. And I found the house uh, quite easily, and uh, nobody seemed to live there. So I climbed up the wall at the back and to take a couple of photos. Oh, it was a very emotional experience. But I thought the house was more or less abandoned. And nobody seemed to live there anyway. Nobody, yeah. and I didn't see any signs of somebody living there. Right. It was the same when I was there. And in fact, I was told that it was being used as a, a drug house where kids would basically break in and do drugs in the house and then leave. But nobody was living there at the time. But, you know, these houses are they're huge and they're very old and they require a, a ton of money to uh, restore them. I, I believe the house, uh, mm-hmm. when, when it finally sold... Uh, in I think it was about 1997 or something like that, it sold for more than a million dollars. And it, I don't know how much it cost to restore it, but I imagine it had to be just as much money to restore the place. Yes, probably. <laughs> yeah, and it was turned into apartments at that time, but ever since then, um, it, it's been maintained, and now it, it just it's beautiful, a whole lot different than it mm. was when I first visited I was just reading in Anaïs's diary this morning about her return to Louvain with a German film crew in 1971. I'm just going to read you this little portion from the diary, and then I'm going to ask you a question about the other side of this story. So anyway, she's being followed by a film crew in Paris and in, in Louvain for a documentary on her life. And in the diary, she says... In Louveciennes, we ran into trouble. I went to visit the owner of what was once my house. She now lives next door. I reminded her I lived there for many years. The house was locked and neglected. The old lady became furious and said she would never let us in. This was the new way places were burglarized with TV crews. So we had to stay outside. The windows of the old lady's house were shuttered. Suddenly they opened and the old lady, as in a puppet show, sprang out and said, if we didn't leave immediately, she would call the mayor. In your Ani Eastin's Lost World, you have the other side of the story from the owner. Yes, the then owner, whom I met in Paris, an old gentleman, Monsieur Ossipi. Well, what he told me was 
that uh, when Anais, that this was in the early 70s, you know, she was there with the German television team. Right. Is that right? Yes. In the, in the, and they wished to bring Anais to Louisiana and go into the house and the garden and everything. And the problem was only that a day before, a guy from the German television team telephoned Mr. OCP uh, saying that, oh, our team is coming tomorrow with Miss Nin, and so just make sure you're at home. And this annoyed Mr. OCP, who said that um, he wasn't interested. And he didn't let them in. I don't know if they went there after he kind of said no on the telephone. But that was a story he told me. If the person from the television team had just asked politely if it was possible to come with Anna Isnin, he would have welcomed them. But uh, that was not the way it, it turned out because they just gave him an order. And that annoyed him. Understandably, I wonder if Anais even knew about that. Mm-hmm. You no, know, probably, probably she didn't know. She hadn't heard the other side of the story. Probably she was, uh, she didn't know about uh, the television team and right. what they said to Monsieur Ozepi. Right. Probably not. Yeah. But you tell me yes. that Monsieur mm-hmm. Ozepi later, after Anais had died, permitted both Anais's husband, Hugh Geiler, and her brother. Joaquin at different times to visit the house, is that right? Oh, oh, yes, 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 he welcomed them, no problem. As I mentioned earlier, there are more than 50 photographs in the East Nien's Lost World. My personal favorite is the one of Anais's original landlady, uh, Madame Leboeuf, and her mother standing at the gate of Lucien in 1900, which is about 30 years before Anais moved in there. How did you find this photograph? Oh, it was uh, the old uh, gentleman, Monsieur Ossipi, whom I met in Paris several times during my, my research. And uh, he offered me to, to borrow an old photo album with lots of photos from the old Louisiane. And uh, I found those photos in that album. And he allowed me to put them in my book. Well, that was very generous of him. He was a very kind and sympathetic man. And another interesting thing in the book, you have two different photographs of Lucien's garden. And in the first one, which was taken, I believe, in the very early 1900s of Madame Leboeuf's mother laying in a chaise, in the backyard, and then you have a photograph that you yourself took some, my God, it would be, what, 80 years later, of the same chaise in the garden? <laughs> I, that, yes. That's amazing. Yes, it was when I, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe my eyes. I climbed up at the back, climbed up a wall to take photos from, yeah, from the garden, from the back of the house, and I saw this garden seat. No, I think it's such a long time ago that I don't remember if I remember chronologically. I might have taken that photograph first and then when Monsieur Sipi lent me his photo album, I discovered the same garden seat in his album. 
And so obviously that, that same chaise was there when Annie East lived in the house. And it's very possible that she sat in it. Oh, yes. Oh, certainly. That's, I mean, it was there for decades and decades. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I've told you what my favorite photograph is. What's yours in the book? What, what one means the most to you? Oh, that is the photo of uh, Avenue Anatole France in Cliffy. The postcard from, is from 1932, and I found it in one of those postcard shops in Paris. And I couldn't believe my eyes, but it was the street where Henry Miller and Fred Perles moved into a modest apartment in the early 30s. And that's where Henry Miller wrote his quiet days in Clichy. And I, I just couldn't believe that somebody had photographed the street and, and had postcards printed on that street. I was so surprised, happily. I think that's my favourite. And I remember I went, I somehow, I went into the, the, the house and the, the number where Miller lived. And I asked people in the house and they didn't know anything about Henry Miller. And there was no black uh, outside the door or anything and uh, unfortunately I, I could I could they couldn't let me in because they weren't sure that that was the exact apartment where he lived mm. but anyway I tried to to find it but uh, they didn't know anything about Henry Miller people who lived there all these various cafes where Henry and Anis used to hang out did, did you ever go into them and try their food or just to see what the place was like, if it had any of the uh, aura that it had back then? Oh, I went into all of those places, yeah. even though I didn't have a meal or something, but I went into all of them. One of them looked very old-fashioned, like at the time when Henry Miller, it was one of Henry Miller's favorite cafes, hmm. with a sink desk and, um, yeah, I went there and it looked more or less the same. Other places had changed a lot, like the uh, oh, the, the place where Anais and Henry met for the first time, or where they went, where they met when before and when their love affair had started, called uh, the Vikings in Paris, and that was had changed completely. It was a totally other place, and they didn't know anything about Henry Miller or Anais or anything, but it was the same address. In your introduction of the book, you hope that readers would see a different side of Paris through your book. And when I first published your book as an e-book, that was a, a few years ago, I tried to follow that a little bit by including some street maps where you could basically find your way around and locate some of these places. And also to use GPS technology where one could uh, tap into a street view and actually see the photographs of the building uh, from their, your phone or wherever, whatever device you happen to have at the time. And a young French scholar uh, named Simone, who lives in Nice, he's a Nîn scholar. I mean, he's written extensively on, on East Nîn. And he said that book really, really helped him to find traces of the Paris that no longer was. And that really encouraged me. And so... And I'm hoping that with this English version of the print book, you know, that some people will see it the same way. Was that yes. your goal in writing the book, was to make it a guidebook, or, or was it something else? 
No, no, no. No, I had no goal at all. <laughs> well, I wanted to make this book. I wanted to kind of try to recreate the Paris where Anais and Henry Miller lived during the most interesting and fascinating years of their lives. I wanted to recreate that and it was a book that I wanted to see. <laughs> that was my goal. <laughs> and then also my hope was that the publisher of Anais Nien's Diaries in Sweden would be interested and accept it and they did, which was wonderful. I didn't know if, if my efforts were going to be uh, rewarded. But uh, they were, and that was a wonderful thing for me, and they accepted the book. Is that book still in print in Sweden? Oh, no. It's for sale in uh, second-hand bookshops and also on different uh, publishers uh, on the net. Mm-hmm. So you can find it, but it's, it was never re- was never reprinted, mainly because the head of Trevi's, uh, Trevi Publishing House was very ill and she died only a couple of years after it was published. And then the publishing house was uh, slurped up by some bigger one. Yeah, I I consider myself lucky to have a copy. Uh, You sent me a copy way back when, (laughs) right after it came out. And I I really appreciate that. And although I don't read Swedish, I I certainly uh, love the photographs. And I I could figure out what you were saying about them in the captions, you know. And I kind of wish I had that book with me the first time I went to Paris. Uh, I think it would have helped me a little bit. I just want to remind everybody that it's not just pictures. It's also commentary. And there's a lot of commentary in your book that pretty much encapsulates those years. And, you know, I've had some comments from readers already on the on the words of the book, not just the photographs. And they've all been very complimentary in that you've got a vast history of these two artists in these fascinating places, right down to a few pages, basically. And yet you don't seem to leave anything out. So, you know, that's a compliment to the writing. <laughs> so it's more than just photographs. I, I think... I think the writing is is very powerful and it's very informative. I I mean, I learned things by reading your book that I didn't know. Oh, well, that's very, very nice to hear. Well, Britt, I want to thank you for taking the time out to be on the show. I wish you all the luck in the world with Anna East Neen's Lost World. It's a a book that I, I feel... A lot of people will get something out of, no matter what they know or don't know about Anis and Henry. Thank you for having me interviewed. Oh, you're welcome. Anis Needs Lost World is available in both print and digital editions through Amazon and other vendors. It is a must-add to any Anis Neen collection. For more information, see anieastneenblog.skybluepress.com. This has been the Anieastneen Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until the next time.